Hi, Joe Mendoza, real estate broker, investor, entrepreneur here in sunny San Diego. Welcome to my show today, ladies and gentlemen. If you haven't heard or learned or want to learn about investing in student housing, ladies and gentlemen, I have Dixie Decker coming from Springfield, Missouri. Are you on the line? I am. How are you today? Awesome. How are you? Wonderful. Good, good, good. So guys, check this out. You've heard about multifamily. You heard about fix and flips, but student housing. Wow. Now this is very, very interesting because some of you guys know that I am also a real estate broker and I also coach and, and one of my clients is actually helping out some uh, people that are investing in student housing. So I'm going to be taking a lot of notes. I hope you do too, guys. All right. So Dixie, tell us a little bit about yourself and my audience who don't know you at all. All right. Well, I'm excited. You are going to have extra questions if you have somebody in the in the trenches right now working on student housing. So this will be a lot of fun. Uh, so a little bit about me, uh, as we were kind of chatting before we started the show, something that, uh, you know, a lot of people don't talk about because it's not the hoorah, hoorah, exciting part of life is where I started when I started this business. So as you said, I, you're, you're a coach and I'm now mentoring people or I have a mastermind group and I put on um, live training events and that kind of thing. But it's all because one of my mentors found out I was doing this little niche called student housing and I was pulling in triple the cash flow that regular single family houses were making. So he's like, okay, now you have to start teaching people because nobody knows about this. And I said, well, because the people that are doing it aren't telling anybody. <laughs> so the cool part was when I met my mentor, my life was in the gutter. So the, the bit deepest trench you can dig, I was in it. And I had just come out of a 15-year relationship with my now ex-husband and we began to go through the divorce process. So everything I knew about real estate traditionally went down the tubes. I had my real estate license. I had been a mortgage broker. So I very much knew traditional real estate. But when you lose everything, you're no longer bankable. You're not in the real estate world anymore. The reason it went to the gutter was I was raised, you keep that credit score, you keep a job, you go to college and graduate. I didn't do that by the way. So I'm the black sheep of the black sheeps. And in 2010, I said no more in my marriage. There was drugs and alcohol involved. There was other women involved in the marriage I didn't know about. And foremost, there was emotional, mental, and then physical abuse. And I said no more when my daughter witnessed the Good last you. event. And I, but I knew that was going to be tough because when he left, he left me with everything. And when I say everything, I had an awesome $30,000 a year job working eight to five every day. Um, I have the kids 365 days of the year, all day, every day. And he left me with a 3,500 square foot house on five acres with all the debt. And I realized why he came home every day at two o'clock. It was to get the mail because there was over $150,000 in credit card debt with my name on it, wow. with my beautiful credit score that I didn't know about. Wow. So amongst that, I'm, I, I, with a $30,000 a year job, you are not going to kill that debt. You are going to eat at your parents' house to feed your kids, and grandma's going to pack a lunch for the kids the next day, and you're never going to have anything in life. That's how you feel in that moment. 
So when I met my mentor, and I'm sure you've interviewed several people for your listeners, I learned what creative real estate was or how to buy houses with no money, no credit, how to pick them up on a lease option or owner financing. I didn't even know what a wholesale deal was. Um, I didn't know what private funding was. So this whole world opened up to me and I went, I can do real estate again. I knew I loved it. I just didn't think there was any hope because I couldn't go to a banker. You got divorced what year? Uh, it was 2011 was my finalization of my divorce. And I hung on to all that debt until I finally gave in on that in 2013. And then I, I, I met my mentor in 2013 and 2014, I did 37 transactions that first year wow. with creative financing. Nice. Yes. yes. And that's when I started to co-mingle student housing with that purchase strategy and just been going gangbuster since then. <laughs> so, um, do you have time for some quick math? Sure. Let's do okay. it. All right. I'm gonna let you do the math. Kind of early. Okay. So I know, I know. <laughs> this helps people kind of understand. Okay. Let's do it. Go for All it. Right. So to date, we have 276 college kids that rent from us. Okay. And we average $525 per person. Per person. Correct. So that's our gross monthly income off of students. And then I always tell people, multiply that by 12 months. Because this is the big math they love to know, right? And then because I've bought them on subject twos, lease options, seller financing methods, I keep about 60% of that gross income. 60%? So multiply that big number by 60% and that's our net income now. Does that look right? That looks right. All right. I'm good at math guys. Yes. <laughs> so that so hopefully, was... some, hopefully some listeners did the math as well. Okay. So I'll walk it through guys for you listeners. So 276 college kids times $525 per person equals 144,900 a month times 12, gave you 1.7 million per year. Dixie gets 60%, which gave you that $1 million. I gotta show that to Pinky too. <laughs> <laughs> but wow. Right? Nice. So the cool part, yeah, so the cool part I tell people now that I've been, I'm running this mastermind group and I've mentored students and all of that stuff, everybody I meet, especially wholesalers, and don't get me wrong, I love wholesalers because I buy deals from, all the, from them all the time with private funding, but the piece that I hear, and it's a common, I call it a social media craze right now, mm -hmm. is how can I scale my real estate business as fast and hard and large as I can, Right. I, I look at it and I say, okay, these guys are scaling these businesses and netting less than when they were smaller because they're trying to figure it out. Oh, that's crazy that you say that. Dixie, could I interrupt real quick? Yes. So realtors, please listen to what she just said. Bigger does not mean better. You yes. guys are building these monstrous teams, 10 agents, 20 agents, 50 agents. And I coach some of you and you're not as <laughs> profitable as when you were three or five agents, okay? So look at the mindset Dixie's sharing right now. 
It's true. And so that's the big thing. My dad always said when I was little, I remember hearing it and he was in sales. So he's on the road sales type guy. I would hear him say all the time, work smarter, not harder, work smarter, not harder. And so what I realized with this niche was I didn't need to have three or 400 houses to make this kind of money. I own, I needed a quarter of what everybody else had to, to make this income that's now passive. And I have one assistant that runs everything for me with the student housing business. One so, assistant. Right. No, so, really? I'm serious. So and now, now that we've hit like 276, it's probably time to add on another person. That's kind of the threshold I found. But up until now, that's all it's taken. And I've, wow. re you know, I've replaced myself. So for example, um, the last 12 weeks, um, I've been off the road. I, I mentioned that to you uh, from traveling and teaching and that kind of thing. I kind of unwillingly went off the road. I ended up with four bulging discs in my neck, C4, 5, 6, and 7. Wow. I have been almost immobile for the last 12 weeks, laying on ice, getting all these therapies and going to the neurosurgeon and trying to figure out how can I fix myself. And guess what? The business still ran. The money still came in. I didn't have to find another client. I didn't have to find another deal. And I knew everything was going to be okay. And when you're a wholesaler or even a realtor and you're building that business, you have to make a deal every day or every week to know you're going to survive. Yes. So I just fell in love with this niche when I figured out you can make triple what other single family landlords are making, A, in single family houses. There's nothing triple. special. Triple, you said. And nothing special. Because, I mean, I meet so many landlords and they are excited when they're making $200 a month net cash flow off of a house. And I'm going, ah, how many of those do you have to have to wow. replace the paycheck? So in, in five years, Dixie, you are at a passive about million plus a year. Correct. Wow, Correct. that's awesome. And one assistant. One assistant, yes. That's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> love it. Yes, love it. guys, pay attention. Hope you're taking <laughs> a lot of notes because I am. All right, good, 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 good. So let me let me play a little devil's advocate. Yes, for the naysayers that are probably listening. Okay. Please do. Student housing. So you got a lot of kids moving in and out, in and out. You got to make ready. You got to prepare the 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 units again you're not cash flowing because you're putting all this money to rehab and get, get them rent, rent ready again. Is that like a limiting belief? <laughs> uh, I call that a myth. We're going to be a myth buster today. Okay. Myth buster. I like myth that. Buster. So I'm sure there's listeners out, th out there that when they went to college, the places were just beer pong, party houses, the floors were crooked, you're your shoes stuck to the floor because there was so much spilled beer. You know, that's what everybody thinks when they think of college kids. You must have went to San Diego State. <laughs> so what I learned, what I learned and what we do is I have very high-end rentals. So ah. yes, and I so have granite, I have hardwood, I have tile, I have very nice houses because I want the top of the top tier parents involved paying the rent. Ah, yes. Yes. So what, what I do is I cheer on success for the students, for the parents, and for myself. We only move people in and out of properties in the summertime. 
So all the other landlords that are chasing deals, they're chasing tenants, they do take 30 days to flip over their houses when it goes vacant. They're showing them, and see here in Missouri, we're like 30 degrees today. So we don't like to move people in and out in the winter time, it's not fun, but we only do it in the summer. And the reason, and I turn over every college property within 24 hours. So what does that say? They're leaving these houses so nice, I can move the next batch of tenants in the following day. So if somebody says, hey Dixie, you know what? I don't know, I'm gonna give you extra money. My kid, I don't know if he's even gonna stay here at this college. I, I don't wanna throw down for a full school year. I just want a half a year. What are you gonna say? I say no. <laughs> Absolutely not. I say no, because I don't have to take everything. The, my rule of thumb is, it's a formula I came up with for the listeners, for my students, is find out what the enrollment is at your college. Okay. And then find out how many of them can actually live on campus. So for example, Missouri State has 24,000 students enrolled, okay. but only 4,000 of them can live on campus. So I have 20,000 students that need my services. What, what like percent are you looking for on enrollment? Oh my goodness. I don't know that it's a percentage, but it's kind of gambling, you know? Do you want to only have 1,000 people wanting your services or do you want 10,000? You know, I want probably over 10,000 people wanting a place to live, a deficit. Oh, almost close to half. So a, high, a higher percent, the better basically. At least. Yeah, so even, I think it was Ohio State. I went down there for a wedding, and so I kind of just got curious about the campus because I'm a real estate nerd. And I found out there's a little over 60,000 enrolled there, and they can only house, I think, around 11,000 students. So they wow. have 50,000 students that need a place to live every single year because who graduates? There's people that graduate every year. Wow. So you have new people that need you all the time. Wow, that's so awesome. I don't need to say yes to the six-month tenant because I want to work smarter, not harder. So I just say, hey, we only do a 12-month lease here. But what I could suggest is if you know your student's going to leave at the end of semester, they need to find someone to replace themselves on the lease. And then no harm, no foul, bring me an application and we'll just swap them right out. So when you run credit checks, you're really just running the parents, that's all. <laughs> Uh, so you're going to cringe, and so will everyone out there. I have never ran a credit check on a single college student or their parent to date. Never. And I've never had an eviction on a college student to date. Really? Yes. Okay, come on. Tell the listeners Tell us to the, the listeners what's going on. You don't do credit <laughs> checks. You no haven't credit. evicted. Okay, so what's the catch? So the catch is... When you have a house that has three or four bedrooms, we're taking all those tenants and as many of their parents as we can get, and we're doing one lease for the full amount of rent that you want for the whole house. So then now they're all mutually responsible for making that rent happen, and so are the parents. And if the parents are able to pay the rent for these high-end houses you're gonna have, you don't have a lot to worry about. Mom and dad do not want their credit disturbed, and most of the kids that I'm renting to 
they are making good grades and they are going out there to try to get a job and they care about their credit score. And so the parents manage the kids, the parents clean the houses so that I can re-rent them and they control the tenants. I do not have to. So on the application, you're looking for income. Yes. Income from the parents because the kid isn't going to have it. And they'll tell you that. Well, I don't have a job and, and my parents are going to pay my rent. And so we just say, well, you know, have your co-signer fill out an application as well. And it should be no problem because we're really used to this. Most college kids don't have credit yet and they don't have income. And how big of a deposit are you taking? So I do the same as first month's rent. So for me, in my area, I'm, I really like about 600 a room. So if I have four kids, that's $2,400, and that's a $2,400 security deposit, okay? Now, there's other areas that the demand is more than that for, for the room rate. For example, um, there's a university in St. Louis, Missouri, and they, get, they are paying $1,000 a person to live in the dorms, okay? This is really important as well. This is how you know what to charge. And in the dorms, two people have to share a 10 by 10 cell for a place to live. Wow. So the parents that are bringing their kids to the houses around there, they are willing, ready, and able to pay up to $1,000 per person per room, okay? So the housing stock might be more expensive, but so is the school housing stock. And so if you can get $1,000 a head at, at SLU, that's $4,000 for a four-bedroom house. I don't know any single-family rental around there that's getting $4,000 from a single-family rental unless there's students in it. They're probably getting maybe $1,500 a month from a single-family renting that same house. Holy smoke. Dixie, this is really, really incredible. Hey, listeners, this is getting very, very juicy, but guess what? we got to hear a word from our sponsors, the folks that are keeping this show in business, too. So hang on. We'll be right back. Okay, guys? What will you do with an extra $50,000 to $250,000 in cash credit? More deals? More fix and flips? More marketing? Or business expansion? Guys, visit Fund and Grow. Click on my website or visit Fund and grow.com backslash Joe Mendoza team for more information. Do mention Joe Mendoza show if you do call in for up to $500 off normal pricing. Need more leads? Business slowing down? Yes, I want to earn more money working less. Well, visit top-tier leads.com backslash Joe Mendoza top top hyphen tier leads.com backslash Joe Mendoza up to 20% off all plans do mention Joe if you do call in cat cam real estate looking to buy sell or invest California broker DRE 018-42606 Call them at 877-794-5227. Need assistance on calls? Are you having trouble keeping up with your leads? Go ahead and reach out to Pat Live, 24-7 live answering service. They are US-based virtual assistants 
message taking, appointment scheduling. Call them at 1-800-891-2640. 1-800-891-2640. Looking for a hassle-free sale? Pay no commissions? Reach out to my friends over at McCormick National Holdings, specializing in acquisitions, both commercial and residential real estate. Feel free to call them at 760-624-8276. Again, 760-624-8276. Want unlimited seller leads? Call my friends over at Cole Realty Resources. Now list for open house invitations, just listed, just sold campaigns, or Facebook target audience ads integrate calls via slide broadcast mention joe mendoza for a huge discount call them at 1-800-800-3271 1-800-800-3271 or email them at your success at coleinformation.com be sure to mention joe mendoza for a huge discount and now back to our show guys we're back man if you're just if you're just joining the show holy smoke you missed a really really good good first half so play it again take a lot of notes i'm taking a lot of notes i hope you will too all right so we have dixie decker from springfield missouri how are you i'm good we're back all right part two part two okay so guys student housing why this asset class why not anything else well, I do everything else as well. Okay. But I think the key for me was I could build my income faster with this niche for retirement, for passive income, faster than any other niche. I, as we talked about in part one, I knew as a wholesaler, I had to make a deal every single day. I knew as still having my real estate license, I had to make a deal every day or I had to find other people to make deals every day so that I could get a paycheck every day. I knew on regular landlord life, or even if I did a tenant buyer and tried to pass on all that stuff to a rent to own type tenant, I had to have so many more of those houses because around here, these landlords are happy with $200 a month cash flow. Well, how many $200 do you need in order to retire or to pay your monthly bills? And I just, it wasn't settling well with me that so many people in real estate, if they don't own it forever, they don't actually benefit from it forever. And I needed both. I was broke, divorced, single. I didn't have my college education and I needed money now and forever. And you so had when no I was, money, no money, no credit, right? Yes, nothing, nothing. And it, it was, well, it was, it was the most devastating part of my life because I wasn't raised that way. And, and I, I, I make a joke of it that I'm the black sheep of the family, but I am. I mean, I, I have all those daggers in my past that no one grows up thinking they're going to have. And so now I just tell people, those are my badges of honor. They're my war wounds. And I, I'm now who I am today because I understand what I went through. And as I talk to people, I think my number one goal 
is on this side of things, the teaching coaching is not for money. It is so that one person out there that when I speak, I just hope one person comes out with hope that they can now have something in life too. And just because you went through something doesn't mean you never deserve something again. So go That's for huge. it. That's huge, Dixie. <clears throat> I want to point out something, guys. She said badges of honor. <laughs> and man, that's incredible. I mean, that's something I wrote down because you look at all the greats, guys, Tony Robbins, Oprah Winfrey, Abraham Lincoln, all these greats, they had a ton of badges of honor. You know, Oprah Winfrey, super abused, Tony Robbins, you look at Abraham Lincoln, verge of bankruptcy, not making the presidency. You'd look at Colonel Sanders with his Kentucky Fried Chicken. I mean... <laughs> Wow, and Dixie Decker, ladies and gentlemen, she had some serious badges of honor too. So that's incredible. And I commend you for really, really sticking it out yes. and, and, and being a role model for a lot of people, maybe even listening to the show that don't know either one of us. Right, right. And that's the goal um, that, that we can tell our stories and, and someone else can go do what we've done or follow that path and have less less failures or less pain involved, less mistakes because they can find somebody, whether it's you or me or someone else that they say, that's what I want to do. I want to follow that path and they figured it out. Let me duplicate it and have the same successes. And that's the goal. All right. So you didn't check out, um, or did you check out like mobile home parks, assisted living, multifamily? Did you check them out or what like, oh, this is it, student housing? No, we did because that first year, as I was saying in the first session we did, I did 37 transactions that first year. Right. And so you, you know, at that time, if it made $500, I was on it. I, 500 bucks was like $10,000, you know, it's so much money back then. And so what I figured out about myself was I didn't like the quality of tenant in a mobile home. Wow. I, you know, I didn't want to deal with those headaches. I tell people all the time, I don't want to be someone's mama. I already have two kids at home. I just want to control the property and be the landlord to the property, not the people. Mm. And I do have a couple of duplexes that I have college kids in, and I'm now working on a four-story apartment building to put students into. So next year, I'll let you know how that goes. If I really like apartments with students in them, I'm not sure yet. <laughs> um, but I also knew this. I was telling you in Missouri, it's cold in the winter. I dreaded the thought of having two single income earners or a dual income household or one income earner, but a family living in a house. And let's say it's Christmas time, it's freezing outside. I know their utilities are always a little bit higher in any kind of these places, the mobile homes, the single family houses, the multi-family, it doesn't matter. And the car breaks down. Are they gonna pay me rent or are they gonna pay to fix their car? And most people these days don't have a savings. So I said, I will never be able to evict somebody at Christmas time in the cold with kids because they fixed their car instead of paying me. And I said, I don't have the heart for that. So I had to find something that fit me better. And it was the student housing because I put all those parents on there. I put all those kids on there. And I know somebody out of that group is getting that rent paid because they don't want me to damage their credit. 
Right. So I don't, I don't have to worry about it. And I thought, okay, I had been a real estate agent, right? And I call it my past life while I was married. And I remember people calling and I'd be like, oh, sure. Let me, yep. I'll be right there at five o'clock. And you're like in the middle of something and no, you don't want to be there at five o'clock. So you throw on clothes, you spruce up your makeup and you get in the car to make this five o'clock appointment. And I, I began to feel like I wasn't self-employed. I was at everybody's beck and call. I was like a doctor on call 24 seven. And I hated that. Can I, can I add to that scenario? Yes, absolutely. And then they don't show up. And I love it. You said that. I love it. And so, but Joe, that happens even as a landlord. So again, I watch these landlords and these, and whether they self-manage or they hire someone to manage, it doesn't matter. Somebody is on call 24 seven to go show a house at the drop of a penny on the weekends at night in the middle of Christmas during the summer when you're on your boat at the lake playing, it happens. And I watch these landlords just scurry and show houses. And then what happens? They didn't show up. So I said, okay. College kids only move out once a year. That's it, all of them. Now I do split it into the end of May, end of June and end of July for my move in, move out dates. So I do three move in, move outs now that I have so many properties. But I also figured this out. They all start looking for their, the, let me back up. The quality tenants that are gonna always pay on time start looking for their next year's housing before Thanksgiving. So think about that. They moved in in August, but then in November, they are finding their next place if they're going to move. So by Christmas time, my office has a goal that we want 75% of our inventory pre-leased. Now that's a fun word that no one says very often. Pre-leased for the following summer to the next summer. Wow. So I sleep really nice at night knowing I'm pre-leased for almost two years in advance Holy all smoke. the time. Okay, so let's talk about funding. You're talking okay. about a four-story building. Are you doing a syndication, hard money, private money, your money? How are you now looking to scale? Okay, so with that particular project, I, as the broke girl, came up with my own version, or I think it's my own version of private lending. Okay. And I did start off when I, when I acquired the land, it was really just a single family house. And I just knew it was zoned appropriate for higher and better use. And actually my partner, who's now my fiance, we're getting married this year. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. We actually started this business together. He's ex-military engineer brain. And so he is the uh, development higher, better use thinker brain. So he actually identified this piece of land, it's higher and better use, and he said, hey, we can build something if we want to. We're now to a place in the business, we can break out of this single family household thing and see what it's all about. And I said, okay. And, and we acquired it with just straight private lending from somebody who had liquid cash, and then we converted it to credit partner lending meaning we still don't have the dollars. We still aren't going to use our credit, but the private lender is now going to turn partner and they're going to go get the loan at the bank. 
and we're going to do all the work and all the property and they're going to get a smaller percentage of the deal and we get a larger percentage of the deal but we pay no interest rate on the funding because it's not liquid funding to us it's a bank loan so we kind of converted that because a bank loan was cheaper money one two we had a, per a person that had great credit that could go get the loan and willing but they passively want to be in real estate. They don't want to have anything to do with contractors. They don't want to have anything to do with renting it. And they just want a nice return on their bank loan. So <laughs> they, because we bought it with private lending and then refinanced it with a credit partner, nobody has any dollars in the deal. And so it's an infinite return on the investment once we get it cash flowing. Nice, nice. So. That's how we did that one. That's great. Now let's scale it back to some of my listeners who want to dabble or try this out. What were some of the big mistakes you made in the beginning? Oh, there's so many that you can make. And that's why I do a three-day live training here in Springfield for it because there's no way you and I could cover all of it in an hour or less. Right. But some of the big things, and I would say it kind of goes back to the myth buster of this, is one, you don't have to have an apartment. Just start with a single family house. Keep it simple. And when I say simple, I mean, don't pay their utilities, okay? Because they can do that. And then again, you don't have to be their mama and monitor utilities. Just let them leave the windows open and run the air conditioner because they're paying the bill. <laughs> You don't have to furnish these things because what does that do? It gives them an opportunity to break something and then you have to try to get it replaced when they move out. How about um, appliances? I do have appliances in, in, in my units and they're nice. They're all, I do all black. I don't do stainless steel because very few people know how to clean stainless steel these day and time, especially a college kid. I do not give them a washer and dryer though because most college kids do laundry once every three weeks. And then that means it all goes in the same load and it breaks the washer. Again, they will pay these things. Their parents will pay to fix these things. But my whole mantra is I want success for everybody. So why set them up for failures from the get-go? I just won't do it. So those are my big ones. Like don't waste your time on, on washer and dryer. Don't put furniture in them. And then from the very beginning of leasing it, set the expectation with the parents and the tenants that you are willing to give them back every single dollar of their security deposit if they leave it like they found it. And nothing breaks itself. Let me tell you, I've been doing this long enough, nothing breaks itself. So if you break something, get it fixed, or it's going to cost you double if I find out and I have to do it. And they understand that right up front. They're just like, okay, that makes sense. So then the parents stay on top of it all the time. How about refrigerator? I do have a refrigerator. Uh, my tip for that though is if you have four people living in a house, make sure it has four shelves because they each need their own shelf for their own stuff and then they won't fight. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. How about pets? I allow pets. I limit it to two and then I just charge a security deposit and I, I decide what that amount is and I base it on how much carpet is in the house because that's what you're going to have to replace 
more often than anything else, if there's a pet involved, is carpet. Any size restrictions? Um, not really. I think if you have a brutal combination of two dogs that are very large, um, depending on their age, what if they're puppies, but you know they're going to get large, there's more potty training and mistakes that happen. Uh, the breed of the animal, depending on the aggressive nature of them and that kind of thing. But I had a kid that had a Great Dane in my one of my houses, and he left it spotless. Wow. So that particular dog and the owner did their job, did a very good job. So people think it's an owner issue. It's not a pet issue always. And so again, it goes back to the parents that, hey, if you're okay with your kid bringing their pet to school, I feel like you know they're going to take care of it, right? Because what you don't want to have happen is they go to class, then they go to work, then they go to a party, and the dog never got let out all day long. Do you think they're going to leave the house in good condition? <laughs> right. And the parent will say, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe we won't let him take the pet this year, you know, because they think they start thinking about it, you know. That's good. <laughs> That's how we pitch it. I love it, Dixie. Well, guys, holy smoke, we hit uh, a good record timing here. Like <laughs> Dixie said, holy smoke, we cannot learn it in less than an hour. So Dixie, you run a couple different classes. Why don't you share with the audience? What do you do? Yeah, so I, twice a year, um, I, I, I keep in mind this thing called balance of life all the time. And so I promised my kids I wouldn't start doing this to, to never come home. So I only do it twice a year. And at the end of April and the beginning of October for three days, people can join me here in Springfield for a live training. And we just dive deep into all of these things from the very beginning of buying the house. How do you find the house? How do you fund the house? What does my lease look like that controls all these animals living in my houses? Uh, what are the components of it and how do we enforce it? Uh, how do we show these houses and never show on night times or weekends? And usually they're gone within one showing. Um, how do we maintain them? And then how do we move people in and out in less than 24 hours? And not only that, but the coolest part about it is I'm from Missouri and it's the show me state. So I'm a believe it to see it kind of girl. So when you're here with me, I do a bus tour and not like anyone else does a bus tour. It's not a house that you might buy and you might fix up and you might have one day. You are going into my houses that my tenants are living in, you might meet them, you might meet their parents, and you get to see exactly what these houses look like. Because nobody believes me that they're clean and they look good and they're gorgeous. So these are so, your actual properties? My actual properties people are actually living in. And it's a Saturday morning when we do this. So if you think to college kids, what do they do on Friday nights? Oh, they go to the library and they go to church. Right, right. <laughs> That's exactly it. So I do that on a Saturday morning and often Jessica will knock on the door and wake them up out of bed so we can go walk through this house. Awesome. And so they can really see it. And then, of course, I believe if you work hard, you play hard. So I take everybody to a fun dinner and show uh, down in Branson, which uh, is it's like Las Vegas without the drugs, gambling, and prostitutes. Yeah. It's so much fun. And so we do that one evening, and then we talk about private lending, financing, 
We talk about developments and tax abatements. I mean, we just go all in for those three days to fit everyone's needs, whether they're just beginning real estate or they're a veteran and they want to take it to the next level. We go into all of those things. So they, they're, everyone is welcome. Um, we do charge a fee for those three days because we put a lot into it. And um, I don't know, Joe, do you have like a link they could use to get? Well, yeah, everything's going to be on a show. And so guys, if you want more information, go on the website, The Real Estate Raw Show. It's going to be right there. Dixie's information is going to be right there. The next event she's going to have is right there. So guys, yes. man, that's incredible. I'm interested. You might see me there, guys. <laughs> so the next one's coming up this April? This April, uh, April 26th, 27th, and 28th. We even, I even do it over the weekend and only one work day. So if they're still working folks out there and they're wanting to add real estate to their retirement portfolio, I try to do it on the weekends so they can just take one or one and a half days off work with travel time. Right. So that's the goal for us down here. I love it. I love it. Well, Dixie, you brought incredible value. I took a ton of notes. <laughs> Guys, play this back and maybe, maybe we'll see each other in Springfield, Missouri. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you. Thank you so much, Dixie. Any last words? Oh, gosh. There's so many I could. I could go on. I just love what we do. I love what you offer people and, and now what I'm doing. And I think it goes back to get a mentor, whether it's you or me or someone else, and don't recreate the wheel. Right. Just pick something, follow that path, and go for it. Great message, Dixie, and thanks again for your time, your wisdom, your knowledge. Thank you. I, I'm really, really interested in this course myself. I love learning. I love meeting great people. Thanks yeah. again, Dixie. Thanks, Joe. Our company is not responsible for the success or failure of your business decisions relating to any information presented by our company or our company programs, products, and or services.